Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Bible study from the Rick and Bubba Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. Just so thankful uh, that you are here. Uh, and if you are, you know, watching this uh, or listening to it, uh, you know, during the time this Bible study is actually being done, uh, it will be uh, November the 4th, uh, which will be one day after uh, a presidential and some Senate elections and amendments, a big election day. Uh, and, uh, and for our country, uh, we do not know uh, who the president will be at this point. Uh, I know there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and some people are kind of, you know, according to which way you vote, it really doesn't matter because you don't know who's who, who's going to get the uh, uh, the presidency for 2021. That's all still up in the air. A lot of uncertainty. Uh, I don't. I wish. I wish we knew. Uh, I thought we'd know today. Uh, but let me tell you what what I want to tell you right out of the gate. Uh, let me tell you the, the the one place where there is no chaos, there is no confusion, and there is no um, there, there there is no concern, and that is in the throne room of, of God Almighty. Uh, none of this is out of control; it is under His control. It was kind of cool. I was texting one of my sons back and forth, and we were going, "Hey, what do you think this? What do you think that?" And uh, he sent back to me. He goes, "Well, hey, I'm not stressing one way or the other." because I am in the middle of a perfectly orchestrated will for my life, uh, and uh, I just want to be right in the middle of what God wants me to do. Uh, so uh, we're, as, we, as we continue in our study today of Second Peter, I want you to hang on to that. We, we were all laughing, uh, some friends of mine who were uh, where we are in Alabama, we, we start getting excited this time of year uh, because uh, those of us that like to go hunting uh, for the American white-tailed deer uh, we're getting everything just the way we want it. We're getting ready for the season, and some of us have already started with bow hunting and all that. Uh, and as you know, we had a, a hurricane that uh, didn't just uh, come into the Gulf of Mexico and hit those uh, those places that are along the water. It came all the way up into the central part of our state. So all of these plans that we had set up and everything just the way we want it, just like that, everything was turned completely upside down. And that's the way life in a fallen creation works. Uh, so if, if your hope uh, is, is clinging, you know, as, as C.S. Lewis says in, in Mere Christianity, he said, if you'll go ahead and make heaven the goal, uh, you know, then, then, then earth will probably be in its, its right perspective and, and you'll get earth. If, if heaven's the goal, you, you'll understand earth. Uh, and you'll have it in the proper place. If earth is the goal, then you'll you'll likely miss both, heaven and earth. So uh, today, let's be heaven-focused, and, and let's, let's take this, you know, God's revelation. I'm holding up the Bible for those of you who are listening. God's revelation about himself, uh, about us, uh, and where our hope is truly found. And today, Peter will continue writing in his second letter, uh, and where, you, where, you know, we talked about the first letter, was his concern of the chaos and the attacks of the adversary from outside the church. And now he is talking and reminding and, and you know, cautioning us, uh, be looking for attacks from within the church. And, and now in a political season like this, you're, you're hearing a lot of strange things and pulpits everywhere and some, some, some bizarre things that uh, people are kind of saying, uh, this is of God when, if you look at Scripture, it really isn't. Uh, and now more than ever, uh, we must be able to discern those things. And Peter is going to continue to talk about that today. A couple of uh, uh, notes to take. Themanchurch.com is rolling. What a great time. Now more than ever, uh, during these you know, times, it can be quite uncertain. Uh, godly men, uh, I talk about this all the time. I remember growing up in a house uh, where my father, as long as I saw him standing there or sitting there or uh, sitting there, uh, you know, if we were in a boat out fishing or, or skiing, I remember as long as I saw him uh, there, I thought to myself, well, everything's going to be all right. I was at perfect peace, even when a storm might be coming up on the river. If my daddy was driving the boat, I wasn't afraid. Uh, and, and we have to remember that, that our, our Heavenly Father is not fretting and, and wringing his, his hands over anything that is happening he is working out his perfectly orchestrated will. And what we need to do is find ourselves right in the middle of it. And now more than ever, it's time to reach men, disciple men, and, and, and change everything and provide those men under the authority of God that our world desperately 
needs. So we will be in Columbus, Mississippi this Sunday night. They're starting the men's discipleship strategy. That's November the 8th, and I'm honored to be there for their gathering and to kick that off. If you want to join us for that, the tickets are limited because of the COVID spacing. Uh, just go to BurgessMinistries.com and look under events, and then you can start looking ahead to 2021. I'm excited as we're now over 100 different churches across this country that are implementing the men's discipleship strategy, and we'll be going out and being part of that strategy wherever we are invited to be there. Uh, and if you'd like for us to help you with a, a game plan to intentionally reach and disciple the men of your church and community, just go to themanchurch.com. We'd love to help you. Let's dive into what Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has for us today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. You are the author of what we are about to consume. And Peter reminds us that that is the case, that we can depend on what he's going to talk about today. May we hear it in the way that, that only you would filter it through your Holy Spirit. And may lives be changed today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to 2 Peter. Uh, we are going to stay in chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 12 and work our way to 21. Uh, that'll be what we'll cover today. We'll start chapter 2, uh, Lord willing, uh, next week. So we know he's going he's gonna to say, therefore... Uh, and this is for us to look back on what we were talking about uh, in, uh, in the, the first part of chapter 1. And that's when Peter last week was saying, these are things you need to supplement to your faith. These are things you need to add to your faith so that you will never fail. So now that, that if you missed that, that was last week's lesson, you can go back and get that. So what he wants to say now is, therefore, after I finish saying all this, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, what qualities is he talking about? What well, he's talking about, we talked about last week, uh, all the different qualities that he mentioned. He, he's going to remind us uh, that we should have faith with virtue, which means a, an integrity, a faith, a faith that has integrity. Uh, you, should, you should then add knowledge. You should add to self-control, uh, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, uh, and then just uh, a love in general for people. And, and so he's saying, therefore, I'm going to keep reminding you of this, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Now, let's, let's unpack that a minute. So Peter says that there is a need for his exhortation. He says, I, there's a need for me to write this to you. There's a need for me to remind you of this. And I think we need to have that mindset. I think sometimes when we surround ourselves with, I hope you do, with severe accountability, we need to have the mindset that what I want to say to my brother and what I hope my brother will say to me and what I'm going to say to my wife and what I hope my wife says to me is I'm going to say these things not to be self-righteous, not to bring glory to myself, not to say, uh, you know, I do these things and, and you should too. No, I'm going to say them because it's the right thing to do and there's a need for the things that, I, that, that I'm saying. And Peter is making sure that we know this. Uh, and he's talking about severe accountability. He keeps reminding uh, them, which means that the he and Paul uh, had likely covered this ground before. Because you notice he says this. He says, therefore, I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them. So he is acknowledging that, that they should already know these things. And if you look at the writings of Paul to these same Christians that Peter is talking about, and we also know this, this cool thing uh, that, that Paul talks about in Galatians when he said when, it, when he encountered Jesus and he was redeemed and now he was ready to start the process of going out and preaching the gospel and teaching that, that, he, that he went away for, for three years and he was reviewing all the things he knew about the prophecies in the Old Testament uh, so that he would say, you know, this, this is Messiah. I see now that this is Messiah. How did I miss it? I was blind and he got himself ready. Then he came back and went and spent um, three weeks with Peter. And then asked Peter, said, hey, you were with Jesus. I encountered him on the road, but you guys walked with him. You, you, you had the earthly ministry for three years. You had the 40 days after the resurrection. You saw him go to the cross, and then they spend some time together. Then Paul goes out, uh, and, uh, and, and so here is Peter now watching them continue to work together as the brothers. Peter is saying, now I'm going to keep reminding you of all the things that Paul was trying to teach you. And see, that's the way it ought to be, guys. And I know women watch this too, and it would apply to you too, ladies. Uh, that, that's the way it's supposed to be in the church, is that 
what I what I th- what I think about a lot, just with the men, it'd be the same thing with the women. Um, is you know, my wife is a devout disciple of Jesus. I am a devout disciple of Jesus, and and that that's the goal to be a disciple of Jesus, not just to be a convert, but to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, to be being sanctified, to be grown. And here's what I want: I want to set up an environment where the things that I say and the things that my wife says that are inspired through Scripture that we say to our children, that we say to our friends, that we say to each other are the very same things that that my children are hearing, that my wife is hearing, that I am hearing, and every circle we run in. It's being confirmed over and over again. And if that's not the case, then the people who are not saying these things, now those people should be seen as evangelism. You know, I, sometimes I, I think that, that people who are followers of Jesus are just okay with having people that are in their life that don't say the right things. Now, it's okay to be in a, a, an acquaintance like that or, or to have someone that you, you work with, but these people should be seen not as people, you know, like we, we had a, a call on the show this week of somebody that was saying, that they that would be perfectly fine to be around to have people and be around people that, that that don't even believe what we believe. As a matter of fact, they reject what we believe, and it's okay to be around those kind of people. But you just don't leave them like they are. I mean, do you really love somebody that you don't want to tell the truth to? As you say, well, I, I know that you don't believe, uh, you know what you what you need to believe, and I know you don't adhere uh, to God's plan of redemption. I know you don't adhere to the only truth. But hey, we just kind of enjoy hanging out anyway. I can't wait for the lake again this weekend, or let's go hunt together, or let's play some golf, or uh, let's go hang out, or let's go out to eat. At some point, hopefully, and I just spent time with one of my closest brothers in Christ, and I can honestly say with with zero reservation, I mean, we were sitting around, and we had intended uh, to go out and and bow hunt a little bit, or maybe go out and see if we could, uh, you know, take some pigs uh, on the land, but, but we both are so engrossed every time we see each other of talking about this, talking about Scripture, talking about Jesus. I mean, five hours later, we're still sitting there talking about Jesus. And we realize, do you want to go hunt? I mean, my goodness, we've just about missed it. But but so what? I, I mean, I would rather be talking about these things than anything else. I can honestly look into this camera. I can honestly speak into this microphone. I can honestly look into the eyes of Adler or anybody else who would be in this room, and I can honestly tell you, and it has nothing to do with me, and I'm not saying it for any other reason, I would rather talk about these things than anything else. If it was up to me, that's all I'd talk about on the show. I mean, that's not, not may not be the best strategy because I need to earn the right to talk about these things, but if it was just left up to me, I mean, I find myself sometimes looking over at the phones going, is there anything over there that could get us in a conversation about Jesus? Uh, because that's all that's going to matter. And, and so, so, so Peter is saying, I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you may even know them. I mean, do you think the kind of guy that I was talking about, one of my greatest friends, that we spent five hours talking about Jesus, that I said anything to him that he didn't already know? Probably not. But was it good for us to review it again and keep reminding each other of these truths? You better believe it. And that's what Peter says. That's how we should live our lives. Peter was determined not to neglect the people that he was given to shepherd. Pastors, are y'all watching this? Everybody listen to this? Guy guy who keeps watching this every week and your men's ministry doesn't exist at your church, uh, are you ever going to go to the pastor and and sit down and say, we need to get a game plan here? We don't have it? What, 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 What he's saying is this. He's saying, and it's beautiful if you think about it, because what was that moment when Jesus was reconciling Peter back to himself after the resurrection? We remember this. We talk about this a lot. Because you have to remember that moment when you're reading these letters from Peter because of the impact we know it had on Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then tend to my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then tend to my lamb. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. So you know what Peter's saying now? He got his second shot, and you know what he says? There was a time when you told me to do something, and when it came down to it, I left you. 
But you've told me to shepherd your sheep, and I'm determined to not let you down. Now, is Peter doing that to earn redemption? No, he was given redemption. He's doing that because he loves the one who redeemed him. And he's obeying Jesus, not out of legalism. He's obeying Jesus because he loves him. So there's that question before us again, too. If I'm not doing the things that my Lord and Savior has instructed me to do, it's only because I don't love him enough to do it. When, When Peter abandoned Jesus, he didn't love him enough to stay with him. He didn't understand the deal. But now that he had his other shot after the resurrection, he got the Holy Spirit, everything changes now. Now Peter, who's writing this, is our standard, not Peter who ran away from Jesus. And you know what he says? I will shepherd the sheep exactly like you told me to do. Now let's go on to to 13. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Peter has an unfaltering determination that he will continue to remind the people who claim to be followers of Jesus of what it's supposed to look like to follow Jesus. I will not stop reminding you of these things. And look at 14. Since I know, now that's underlined no, not not I think or I wonder, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Now what does this mean? Back to that conversation. What did Jesus tell him was going to happen to him eventually? That he would be martyred. Jesus told him this. Jesus never calls us to follow him without telling us exactly what it's going to be like. And and some of us would would never say out loud that we're not willing to do it. We had a guy call the show today. He says, I think there needs to be more men of God that start running for office. When was the last time somebody ran for office and didn't claim to be a man of God? They all do. Now, there's not a lot of evidence of it, but they all claim it. I'll tell you this. America wouldn't vote for a real man of God. They wouldn't. Because you think Peter would ever have a shot to to, to run for office and win in the United States of America in modern day when he starts saying the things that he would say about being a disciple of Jesus? There's not enough people that would vote for that. That sounds good to say that, and we certainly should demand that, and we should hope for that, and we should pray for that. But at the end of it all, if you think the majority of the United States of America wants to go vote for a disciple of Jesus, you're incredibly naive. We don't, we don't really want a disciple of Jesus because the standard's too high. It's too hard. We'd rather have a cultural Christian that says the right things about where life begins and says the right things about marriage. We're like... But now that person starts talking about holiness, obedience, sacrifice, denying self, picking up the cross. Mm-mm. See, it's, it's, it's much easier maybe to, make, to talk real loud about things that don't really apply to us. But when it gets down to you're going to have to put a little blood in the game, then it gets a little bit different. Well, here is Peter, and you know what he's saying? I know that I'm going to be martyred, and he was. Most of the historical documentations, not everyone agrees on this, but most everyone does. We know he was crucified. We know that. And and there's a lot of evidence that because he was going to stand up and say, I don't deserve to be killed the way my Savior was killed. I'm not worthy of crucifixion, that they crucified him upside down. So, So Peter now knows he says it. Since I know that the putting off of my body, now notice he said, I'm not going to be killed. I love that. See, that's the beauty of the redeemed. Peter isn't saying, I know they're about to kill me, because they're not. They're about to remove my body. My spirit is about to leave this body. That's all. They're not going to kill me. They're going to kill the body, but they're not going to kill me. And and all they're going to do is just launch me right into the presence of God. And he knows this time is coming. He said, Jesus has made that clear. Listen to this. Listen to 15. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now, now let me ask you, hey, Dad, Dad, y'all paying attention? Everybody with me? Dad, Mom, have we done that? 
Have we done that? What about if you find yourself on your deathbed and your kids come in and you're like, I didn't teach them these things. My body's about to be taken off and I'm about to go. And I'm not dying peacefully because I haven't taught my children or I haven't taught the people that God gave me influence over these things, these scriptures, these demands, so that when I'm dead and I can't physically tell them anymore, they'll always recall them because they've been taught it so much. That's what Peter is saying. Oh, yeah, I'm going to die. But since I know time is running out, we're going to rep this thing. I'm going to tell you these things over and over and over and over and over. So when I'm, my body is dead and my spirit is gone, it won't matter. It won't, you know what? It won't be like I ever left because now you'll just be saying the same things that I was told to tell you. And I've done such a good job. I've made every effort to do that. You now can recall them yourself even when I'm gone. Have we done that? Think about that. See, the reason why our children, our people that we have influence over, can do the things that we taught them to do even after we're dead because we taught them the things that we knew how to teach. You know, you can't teach your children about a Jesus that you don't know. You can't teach them to supplement things in their faith you haven't supplemented in your own faith. You can't run down a list that you've never memorized yourself. But Peter did. He, he said, I'm, I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to make sure that when, when I go, and I'm going soon. You know, there's an urgency with Peter. He says, i got to make every effort because I know the time is coming that I'm going to depart, depart but you'll still be regurgitating these things because I'm going to do my job that I told Jesus I would do. And my question to you, and the same question comes back to me like a mirror, are we doing what we told Jesus we would do, or do we get to that dead last and we've done all the other things we truly care about? There it is. And that's a tough question, but it's an important question. And, and I hope, and, that, and that's the reason why I'm, I'm, just, I'm getting to the point that I'm almost obsessed with discipleship because Jesus said to make disciples. He didn't say just make converts. He said make disciples. Anybody who was called a Christian, remember we talked about this, it was already a given that they were a disciple. And did you know that being a disciple of Jesus is just, is just it, it, that's just the foundational floor. That's just what's expected. I remember my dad saying something that I'll never forget. I had friends that used to get paid for making good grades. I had friends who used to get paid for helping around the house used to get paid for making their bed up. It drove my dad crazy. And I said, well, how come we don't get paid? He said, nobody gets paid for doing what's expected. You get paid when you do what's not expected. When you go above and beyond. Your responsibility around this house, you should make good grades. You should clean up after yourself. Why should you be paid for that? That's just being a son. That's just being a student. That's just being respectful for what all we've done to provide these things for you. So there, there shouldn't be some standing ovation for the bare minimum. And so well done comes from those that go above and beyond uh, being grace abusers and just hoping you've done enough not to go to hell. And Peter says, I'm not that guy, and I'm, I'm going to do what Christ told me to do because of my salvation. I'm not trying to earn my salvation. You know, here he is in verse 14. And he, is, he, is, he has that unforgettable destiny, which will be crucifixion. Peter knows his time is short, and he wanted his legacy to reflect that, the, that, that, that these disciples of Christ always remember what he was taught to tell them. What's your legacy going to be like? What is your legacy? Did you know that's one of the things that I found most effective, and I thank the Lord for giving me this? You know, I'm, I'm in a club that I, I don't want to be in, and I'm in the club of people who bury their children. It's in a fallen creation. It's a very unnatural thing for a parent to bury their children. We've all acknowledged that. So a lot of times when somebody's burying their child, for whatever reason, my number gets handed to them. I end up on the phone with them if they're willing, and we have a conversation. And, and, you, and I, I talk to the dad, and my wife will talk to the mom, 
And you know what I tell the dad? And it usually is, is an immediate turning point. You know what I say? Don't let your child's legacy be that their earthly death turns you away from God. Man, they don't want that legacy. I mean, it's already sad enough that, that, what, that, what, that what happened to them and that they died what we think was an abrupt death and that they, that, that they were taken from us while they were still our children before we were, we were taken. And the last thing that child would want is for their legacy to be that their daddy now turns away from God and starts acting like an idiot. Don't let that be their legacy. And usually a dad, if he's worth anything, will say, you know what, That's, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, what, what, what's the legacy of the death of your child going to be? Let's try glorifying God, advancing his kingdom. Now that's a legacy that child could be proud of. Not a legacy of destruction of the family and mom and daddy divorced because I died. That, that's, not the le- that's not a legacy. So, so what kind of legacy are we leaving? You don't have to be in that situation with those that we've been placed as respon- we're responsible to for making them disciples for Christ. He was, he was unfailing, he was diligent, and he would not let our Lord and Savior down again. Nor should we. I've let him down before. I sure have. But I, my response shouldn't be that I'm ever going to do that again. Verse 16. And we'll roll through 21 and finish this next theme that, that, that Peter's talking about. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Yeah. So he starts out saying, there's integrity to this word of God. It's inerrant. I'm telling you who Jesus is. I'm telling you what Jesus said. You know why? I was there. There's integrity. I have integrity. I walked with Jesus. Do we have integrity? I mean, can, can we say to somebody, here's what Jesus says to do, and then they look at us and go, well, you don't do that. Where do you get this authority from? No, we, we got to have integrity. And Peter's saying, look, I'm not, this is not something, some, some, some deal that we came up with cleverly to bring glory to ourselves. You know, this is one of those things I hear this all the time. Well, the Bible's just written by people. Written by people, yeah, inspired by God. Well, why do you say that? Because i got to tell you something. If God didn't tell me to write down that I abandoned him in his greatest time of need, I wouldn't write that down. I wouldn't make up a story like that. Rick, you made up a story about yourself and Jesus. Yeah, what would you make up? That I did everything right? You think I'm going to make up that I abandoned Jesus? (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, why would I cast myself in a negative light in a made-up story? And so Peter is saying, this is not some cleverly devised myth that, that we made known to you. We're telling you about the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus because we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. We were there. And, you know, he, he's talking about this. There's so many things he was there for. But, but the, 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 he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, Peter looked at, 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 uh, at, at John and, and James, and he's like, we got to build some kind of something to acknowledge this here. He sees Jesus as he's getting ready to go to the cross, and, and Peter and John and James got to see Jesus in his glory sitting there with Moses and Elijah and Abraham, and, 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 and they know they're, not, they're dead. And, and here's this pep rally, for lack of a better term, for Jesus with these men who had, and the, these prophets that had gone before them, and they saw it. And he says, I saw his majesty. I saw him be glorified. I was there. And he's, he's probably thinking about, you know, well, John may have told you about this too. James didn't tell you about it because James was martyred right out of the gate. He, I mean, James, I mean, and that was a moment where it was James and Peter one time, and this is God's sovereignty. How about this? Peter, you're free to go. James, they're going to kill you. So God, God has got his plan, and he's working it out. But John and Peter are still here to tell people about him. And so he goes on to say this. Look what he says after that. We, we, we were eyewitnesses for his majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, 
and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory of the Father. Father. Then he gives a quote. Here's what we heard the Father say. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Look at 18. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So we were there on the holy mountain when, uh, the, for the transfiguration, and we heard God say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Where else did they hear that? They, they, they also heard that at Jesus' baptism. This is my son. Uh, I am well pleased. You find that in Matthew 3.17. Write that down, Matthew 3.17. So here is Peter saying, I have integrity. We were there. We did see it. These things really happened. And I'm telling you, there's no error in what I'm telling you about Jesus. He is who I'm telling you that he is. I was with him. So that kind of goes back to the lesson that we talked about before. Because some of you are probably watching this or listening to this. And you're like, well, Rick, we don't have that story. We, we can't tell people that we were there. No, but you, you, can, you can find out and talk about the people who were there, which is Peter who's passed this on to us. Or more than that, have you not seen in your own life, have you not seen it, the majesty of God? I have. Now, I wasn't on the Mount of Transfiguration. I wasn't there for Jesus' baptism. But I'm going to tell you something. The fact that I'm sitting here right now and I'm teaching this lesson is because of the power of God, because I got news for you. Before I was redeemed by Jesus, if you said, now, Rick, here's the things you could do today, and you listed the things that were available to me, and you said, now, every Wednesday, we'd like for you to do an hour Bible study, I would have said, no, thank you. That, that's not going to make it on my calendar this week. It, it goes back to the time I told you this before, um, and this can happen in all of our lives, I hope. Uh, I had an opportunity to be with a man back to, to being called to a lot of sad situations when children die. Uh, this man's small child had, had drowned at the beach. Uh, very sad story. Uh, my wife calls me, and we have this happen before, and says, hey, we've got this family. I've already been with the mother today. What are you doing right now? I said, I'm in the drive-thru at Taco Bell with the boys. We just finished up some sort of practice. I don't remember what sport it was, but I remember that was the case. She says, I'm coming to get the boys. you got to go see this guy. Now, now I get up at 4.30 every morning, and we're talking 6.37 p.m. at this point, which is fine. Uh, she comes and gets the boys. I head over there to a guy I've never met before in my life. I go through the house. I sit down with him in the back bedroom, and we start hashing it out. And we're hashing it out, and we're hashing it out. He, he is not a follower of Jesus. Uh, he, he does not believe that the Bible is inerrant. And I'm talking through what Scripture says. When you're talking to a believer, it's a little bit easier because they at least believe these promises are true. I'm talking to a guy that doesn't believe any of this. And I'm, I'm going verse after verse after verse, and I'm talking to him, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And now I'm kind of getting to this mode of, look, man, I'm, I'm an eyewitness to, to who Jesus is. I, I see how he's changed me. I see how he's carried me through this. I sense the power of the Holy Spirit. There are changes that are taking place in me that I've had no part in. Uh, if I, as I pursue Jesus, it changes. And then finally, he says, you know, I, I just wish that God would give me a sign that I would know that everything you're telling me is true. And I looked at him, and I said, well, okay. And he leans in like I'm going to produce this sign. And I said, I looked at the clock. I said, 11.45 p.m. I said, when this thing hits the top of 12, I'll be here with you, and I've been here with you for five hours. And I said, i got to get up in four and a half hours, and I don't know you. I'm not that good a person. I am your sign. I wouldn't be sitting here right now if I hadn't been redeemed by Jesus. You know what I would have heard? And I told him this very thing. I would have heard about your tragedy, and you know what I would have said? Man, that's awful. And I probably would have never thought about it again because that's not a pleasant thought. And I would have moved on with my life with my number three from Taco Bell, and I'd have never thought of you again. Now, I'd like to say otherwise, but then I'd be lying to you. I am your sign. You're seeing the majesty of God in a wretched, self-centered, sinful man 
who only cares about you right now and is spending this time with you because the Lord is providing that empathy that I just don't have. And you know what? He's a man, and he realized that what I said was true. And he gave his life to Christ that night. Because, see, we are the sign. We show his majesty. We are, for some people, the Mount of Transfiguration. We are, for some people, the blind man being healed. We are, to some people, the proof of the resurrection. Because the power of Jesus has changed us so much that we're unrecognizable. And we're nothing like the rest of the world. So we have our own version of eyewitness. So Peter goes on. He said, we ourselves, verse 18, heard the very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, verse 19. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. There hello. It's just what I said. Now we have the word of God. This is directly from God through Peter and through Paul and through the other writers of the Bible. We have it written down, so we now need to know this so that when someone asks us about who God is and what is this plan of redemption and who is this Jesus and what is the Holy Spirit, we say, I, I got it right here. And you know what's interesting? I find this interesting, that Peter would talk about being a, a witness to the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus' baptism, God speaking out of heaven. And in 19, he says, and we have something more sure, more, the prophetic word, to which you would do well to pay attention to. You know what he says? You're in a dark world. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe we're in a dark world? I'm holding toward the camera right now, for those of you that can't hear this, I mean, can't see this, but you're hearing it. I'm holding up a copy of the Bible. And you know what I might as well be holding? A lamp. I might as well be holding a light to the darkness of this world. That's what Peter said. This is the prophetic word of God, and everything you need to know is here, and you need to pay attention to it, and you need to know it because it will serve you well as a light when everything around you is dark. Somebody say amen to that. I love that. He said, you must have the word of God to illuminate this darkness or, which is his concern here in the second letter, or the darkness will consume you. You, you, you either take this and push back the darkness with, with the light or without it, the darkness consumes you and it will deceive you. Verse 20. Hey, you got to know the word of God. And some of you have been so uh, resilient and your commitment to studying the Word of God, just here in this setting every week. And I can't tell you what it means to me. And, and, and without fail, when I'm starting to drift a little bit and I'm starting to get tired, or I'm starting to get wore down. It happened last night. And I start to get tired. I start to get wore down and the things of the world. And I start thinking to myself, is any of this making any difference? You know what happens every time? Every time. Sometimes multiple emails or text, but always one. Hey, man, I mean, I'm sitting there in the middle of this last night trying to watch election returns, and I get a thing about a, 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 a new email, and I just kind of look at it, and I think in the middle of all this that's going on, who's going to lead the free world? What's going to happen? There's a guy emailing me about what this, this Bible study has done in his life. In the middle, I'm thinking, I thought to myself, What's stranger? I'm taking time to read this during the election returns or that he took the time to write it. See, he's not worried about what's going on. I mean, he, he, you should get involved. You should care about it. It, it matters. But, but ultimately, God's in control. This guy's at perfect peace. You know what he's thinking? I sure am glad I'm growing in Jesus. I, I, I just want to give you the encouragement for taking the time to do this. I want you to know that God's using it to change my life. Right when I needed it. Right then. And I want to thank all of you that, that do that because God uses you then to encourage me. 
And I hope this is being used to encourage you. And I know it challenges all of us. That's part of it. Peter's already said at the beginning, I'm not apologizing for this exhortation. I'm not apologizing for it. It's necessary. But at the same time, we're in this together. Verse 20, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. That's important. Hang on to that. Peter's letting us know that this inspiration is not his. Hey, I'm writing this inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not by the will of man. The Holy Spirit is controlling every single word. So we're not hearing this like Peter says, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to give you some commentary. I'd like to give you my opinion on things. No. Peter has not been to seminary that I know of. Peter's a fisherman. I mean, this literally is like you or me. And Jesus Walsam says, stop what you're doing here uh, and come with me. And Peter says, I'm in. And he begins to show Peter that he is who he says he is. And now here's Peter as an older man getting, getting to the end of his, of his earthly death, which will be being martyred and crucified, just like Jesus was, but only worse in, in, in some accounts that he was crucified upside down. And, and he did that to honor Jesus. He's sitting there. He's taking pen. He's talking. We know in 1 Peter he's talking to Silas. Here there's no indication who, who may be writing this yet. Uh, but we know that Peter is either talking it or writing it himself. And every word is coming inspired from the Holy Spirit. We really are not all that, and this is the problem we get. We always want to worship the wrong things. You, you see, we've got people in Catholicism, and we've taken Peter, and we placed him in a place that he would never want to be placed. We see people talking about John Calvin and developing a whole theology using his last name. John Calvin didn't want to be worshipped. He's just telling you that God's inspiring him to say some things. Wesley, you know, and, and, and these, these people that we all, we always just try to elevate these human beings when they're saying, no, don't elevate us. We're trying to point you to God. He, he's the only thing that makes us worth any, anything at all. Our devotion to him might be something that's an example to you, but what we're devoted to is what's going to change you, not us. And he said, I want you to know that. This is not something that is my own interpretation. I did not come up with this. You ever said that to somebody? Well, I just don't appreciate your view on marriage. It's not my view. Honestly, I, I, I could take some things that are, are difficult in my life and solve them in a 30-second phone call if I just decide that I don't care what God's standard is of things. You know, I, Hey, you know what? I'd, re- I'd rather Thanksgiving and the holidays not be so difficult for family members and friends or whatever, people that don't agree with, with, with God's standard on things. So I guess if it's all up to me, I'll just compromise those standards and we'll all have a nice, thank, nice Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, and um, it'll all go smoothly. No, there's difficulty because, just like Peter had difficulty because you know what he's saying? It doesn't really matter what I think. I just care what he thinks. It's not even about those of you that oppose him. I'm not upset with you. I don't have any agenda against you. I just love him. So I do what he says. What do we say a disciple is? Someone who says what Jesus says to say and does what Jesus says to do. And he says, I just want you to know that. It's not me. And look at 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? And that's what you have to watch out for. I know during these times and there's a lot of end time stuff going on out there, and we should pay attention to what Scripture has to say. You know, I, I've, I've heard some great messages lately from different pastors and different teachers that, that are talking about you know, the, the days ahead and the end times and, and, and all that. That's important. We, we should know that. Um, one of the things that, that Peter's talking about, and you see this in Revelation 17. I heard a message about that. I just listened to this last week. Uh, from a from a friend of mine that is a, that is a pastor, and he says it right. I mean, in Revelation 17, what we see in that revelation is is God's warning of the counterfeit church. Here's Peter saying, "Hey, understand, watch for the counterfeit church. There has to be a counterfeit church for the Antichrist. So be on the lookout and and don't be involved in a counterfeit version 
of the church. You got to know what God actually says. So when I hear someone say, and I want you to listen to this, that they've had some prophecy, the minute I hear, based on Scripture and based on this, that they don't know whether it's of God or not, I'm out. I'm out. Because they may not understand it if they've been given a prophetic word. They might not understand it, but we, we, we find through Scripture there's never anyone that has been given a prophetic word that they don't know that it came from God. They may not understand it, but they know where it came from. So if anybody ever says, well, I've got something that may or may not be prophecy, I can solve that for you. It's not. Because if it's not of God, then <laughs> it might be an interesting conversation, but I wouldn't put a whole lot of weight in it. So here is Peter again saying, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God, meaning, do you hear that? So they know where it came from, right? What does it say? Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So if this person doesn't know where it came from, and, and like we're playing a guessing game, like we're on a game show now, is prophecy or not prophecy? If we play in that game, it's not. That doesn't mean that they don't know things. I mean, they might just know things or have dreams about things because they know a lot about the topic. They've researched it. They've studied it. That's fine. But let's not get all this drama going that there's a prophetic word that may or may not have come from God. Be real careful because that sounds an awful lot like the Garden of Eden. Is this what God really said? So we don't need to be involved in that kind of stuff. If the person doesn't know that they're speaking on behalf of God, then I wouldn't listen. Or if you listen, I'd just listen the way you'd listen to somebody break down a football game or something. I, I wouldn't act like they've got some divine word for you. If they don't know it came from God, if they're guessing, because you see Peter once again saying this. So what's our application today? Well, for one thing, if we are in the role of Peter, then we need to be about God's business, and we need to be teaching and discipling those that he's placed us uh, to tend to, our, our children, our wives, uh, our husbands, if you're a woman watching this, uh, people that we're you know, are in our, our circle of influence. So are we doing the diligent work of God by saying, I want you to be true disciples of Jesus, and I want you to understand the things that God said, and I'm going to keep reminding you of these things so that you can always apply them. Are you willing to enter into severe accountability where someone can come to you and say, well, now God said that's not the way we handle this. One of the biggest things you've got to understand if you're now on the other side, if you're not in Peter's role, but you're on the other side, and now you're the people that need a Peter in your life, you do realize that no one can speak into your life if you don't give them permission to do it. I, I have men like this in my life right now. I have men that, that I work with, and I have men that help me, and I try to help them. You know why? Because both people have given the other one full permission to speak into their life. I also have men that I don't speak into their life. You know why? They won't let me. They don't want me to. And honestly, that kind of man I usually don't let speak into my life either. Uh, my wife and I, even though we're husband and wife, she has full permission to speak directly into my life she doesn't have to be concerned about she should say anything she feels led to say to me, and I'm ready to receive it. And she's given me the same permission as my wife. So there, there, there has to there, I mean, you, these people right now that are reading this, there's some that, that got this letter from Peter. You know what they said? Yeah, I passed. I, I'm, not, I'm not all for this exhortation. You, you, are you one of those people? Can't nobody say anything to you? Yeah. You, you, you can't receive any, any criticism you can't receive anything, any correction. Uh, you can't receive any, hey, man, you might want to think about this. Well, I got news for you. You're a prideful, prideful human being. And God will find a way. I mean, he'll give you your best shot. You know, you remember the, the great commercial, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. But you're going to pay me. And so God loves you enough to give you your best shot. So if these people have been placed in your life, I would, I would find somebody and I would give them full permission to speak into your life. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and, and I've seen this work so well, who said he struggled with porn. There's a shocker, a man struggling with porn. 
And he said, "What? I, I, got, I, I keep struggling with that. What do you think I should do? I said, you should give your phone and your computer to your wife. There should be no password. She should be able to take your phone and get on your computer and look at the history of your computer and take your phone from you on any given moment and look at what you've been looking at. Hmm. Well, see, then you're not ready. You, you, you're limiting what, what, what you're limiting how people can speak into your life. If you want to be held accountable, then people have they, they can ask you anything, anytime, anywhere. And uh, it goes back to this, you know. My wife and I were talking about this. You know, we both try to watch our weight and try to work on things. And you know, I have this. I've had this struggle for a long time. And you know what I, I said when it comes to things that I shouldn't be eating. There's one way, baby, that I won't eat them. Don't have it in the house. <laughs> Just don't have it in the house. I've never eaten a snack that wasn't in the house. Never. Because you know what? You start thinking, you got to get my truck. got to go drive and try to get it. Eh, it's not that important to me. But, hey, baby, if it's sitting right there within arm's reach, before you know it, that big old hand's you know, digging off in that bag. So what we want to do is we want to live a life if we want to adhere to these exhortations, we have to allow people to actually do it. You know, the Peter in your life could say, I'm willing to do what the Lord told me to do, but you could say, no, thank you. you got to allow it. So we should be making disciples, but we should also be allow people to disciple us. That's, that's the way that should be working. So I don't know where that hits you today, uh, but if I can help you in any way, you know you can always reach out to me. Rick at rickandbubba.com. We come back next week, Lord willing, we'll begin to look at the chapter 2, uh, and this is that, that, that morning that Peter has with us again about false teachers and false prophets. So uh, uh, today let's take what he said to us and, and ask the question, where are some areas that we need to adjust based on this exhortation that Peter said was so important to him that he, he would be diligent to the day he died, and, and be so diligent that the people that were under his leadership would always recall the things of God even after he was dead. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the word from Peter. Thank you for your powerful, uh, God-inspired, uh, prophetic, Holy Spirit-driven and written uh, word to us. I pray, Lord, that it pierces our hearts. I pray, we, pray that we apply it to our lives wherever we need to today. And, Lord, maybe there's somebody out there right now that says, i got to make an adjustment today. I haven't even begun. I don't even know that I know Jesus. I don't know if I'm under his authority, and I, sure, I certainly don't know anything about him. Uh, you know, the analogy that, that hit me, Lord Jesus, was I could walk around all day long and claim that I'm a mechanic, but if you asked me how to fix your car and I didn't know anything about it, then I'm probably not a mechanic. I'm probably just claiming to be. And I pray, Lord, that we take this today and we apply it to our, our lives. But we don't just hear it. We make the necessary adjustments. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If I can help you in any way, I'm always here. And Lord willing, I'll talk to you next week.